Well, good morning, church. It is my honor and a true blessing for Beth and I to be with you here today to uh, share with you from God's Word. And I do admire Trent and Pam, and I am excited about their opportunity that they had to be on sabbatical. And I want to thank you as a church for blessing them with that opportunity. That is, uh, I want to say, all oh, it happens everywhere, but it doesn't. So what you guys did in supporting them uh, during this time has just been amazing. So I just wanted to say thank you uh, for that gift to them. Well, you've been going through the fruit of the Spirit, and today we're going to be talking about gentleness out of Galatians 5. You've been there for seven weeks. This is the eighth week, and next week will be your last week on the fruit of the Spirit. Um, So I'm just going to read from Galatians 5. I'm going to pray, and then I want to get into what I want to share with you today. Um, I'm going to start with verse 18. But if you're led, if you're led, if you're led by the Spirit, are you led by the Spirit? You're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. They're evident. We know these works. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. How many of us have been guilty of some of those things? Every hand should be raised, but that's okay if you didn't, because that is the works of the flesh. Amen? I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things, who practice these things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a great warning, because they're not going to be within the kingdom of God. God won't allow it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, may that be our heart's desire today, to be led by the Holy Spirit, so that we can keep in step with what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in each and every life who truly knows and follows you. So the words that I share today, as they come from my heart, as you've given them to me, may they be pleasing to you, may they be acceptable to you. And Lord, may you use the words, the things that are shared, to help transformation of hearts in this place today and help us to understand that part of the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness, is critical in the life of a believer. So I pray, believing that you're going to do something amazing in our time, and I pray that you will use me as that useful vessel, and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I love that passage that I just wrote. It says that those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. So the first question would be, do you belong to Jesus Christ? Has there been a time in your life 
where you surrendered your life. It was no longer you. We read it, Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I who live, but Christ. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in Christ, not in the flesh. Has that happened in your life? If it's happened in your life, this message will be very meaningful for you. If that hasn't happened in your life, the only thing that might be meaningful for you today is that you need Christ in your life because Christ in your life is the one, as he shared with his disciples before he had descended into heaven, ascended into heaven, was he was going to give a deposit of himself through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, God's presence would be within us in the Holy Spirit. And this passage in Galatians helps us to understand we know what flesh is, right? We've all done it. We've lived out of our flesh. We were born that way. I was born to sin just like you were because we come from the first Adam. But the second Adam came along and he changed everything. Second Adam came along, Jesus, and he went to the cross to die for our sins. So it would no longer be I who live, but it would be me living in him, through him, for him. And he helps us to do that because now the Holy Spirit resides in us as a follower of Christ. So as we think today about this aspect of the fruit, last week you heard about faithfulness. And you heard how it was uh, Pastor Jason. I talked to him this week. I know Jason just as well as I know Trent. So I talked with Jason. He told me how he tied it to John 15 and how, you know, how important it is if we're attached to the vine, we're a branch, and our responsibility is a branch of the true vine, the vine that is healthy and only wants to produce godly and real spiritual fruit, is we will bear fruit. We will bear fruit in his name and in his image. Well, today, as we look at gentleness out of Galatians 5.23, we need to know a few things about the word gentleness. And I'm not going to park this whole message on just gentleness. I'm going to go to something else afterwards. You see, the word gentleness is often transliterated as meek, meekness, or humble. Matthew 5, 5, Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. In Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30, it says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then there are, of course, other scriptures, and I don't have the time to really go through all these, but Psalm 37, 11, Titus 3, 2, 1 Timothy 6, 11, 2 Corinthians 10, 1, Colossians 3, 12. There's a lot of scripture that talk about gentleness. But gentleness is one of the qualities that God wants to cultivate in our lives. It's one of the aspects of the fruit. And you guys have probably heard this from the previous seven speakers. One fruit, seven attributes, right? Or nine attributes, excuse me. You've heard the seven, now you're hearing eight. Nine attributes. 
Um, I did something this week. I just was kind of researching. And maybe you've heard this already from one of the other speakers. I don't know, but it was interesting to me, so I'm going to share it. Do you know that there are nine aspects to natural fruit? Nine aspects. Google it. I wasn't going to read them because half of them I may not be able to pronounce. But to the natural fruit, there are nine aspects naturally. Isn't it interesting that the supernatural fruit has nine aspects? So all of these are in the Holy Spirit. It is the fruit that comes out of walking with the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. And sometimes, perhaps, as we struggle with gentleness, it's because we don't really understand what it is. The Greeks understood gentleness. It's the Greek word praeus. And the Greeks would understand it just in this way. It's power under control. Strength under control. It's power under control. And the imagery that would come to their minds, and we can still use today, would be that of a horse, a tamed horse. So you're looking at a 1,500 to 2,200 pound animal, and it's tamed. And through being tamed, one of the ways that a horse would be controlled, and even today, is by putting a bit in its mouth. And isn't it interesting? A bit weighs between one and two pounds, and it can control 1,500 to 2,200 pounds. The Greeks saw that the word gentleness, preus, meant power under control. We also see other imagery of this today. Uh, water dammed up, that's power under control. We, we all know, we hear about it, we watch on the news. What happens when water can just get loose? It can cause damage. Water is powerful. Uh, I think I'm a guy, a car with a lot of horsepower, um, right? It's under the control of what? The driver. I, I rented a, um, pardon the expression, but that's what they're called, a Hellcat. I didn't intentionally rent a Dodge Charger, which is the model of the, the Hellcat, or the Challenger, the Hellcat. I was on a, a trip down to the North American Mission Board when I was serving as a North American missionary, and I got to the airport, and I went into the rental garage, and then I got there. It was probably about almost 10 at night. It was late, and uh, I asked the guy. I had already asked for a car, but I ordered one of them little guys, you know, get some good gas mileage and everything. And he said, sir, I'm sorry, but the only thing I have is a Dodge Challenger. I said, okay, fine. That's good. He says, right out there. I went and got in that car, 870 horsepower. When I started that thing under that garage, do you know what that sounded like? And did you know what I did? I revved that thing up. Man, was that powerful. But it was only as powerful as the driver in the seat controlling it. Diseases. Disease can be powerful. It can kill. But sometimes it's only as powerful as, or or excuse me, medicine helps control the disease, which limits its power. 
So we have different imagery, if you may, in our culture that help us understand what the Greeks would have understood about the word gentleness. So meekness to a Greek did not mean weakness. It meant power under control. Meekness to us in the modern English many times means weakness. But it's not what this text is implying as it relates to what the Holy Spirit gives us. You see, the example of gentleness in the New Testament was normally displayed in the arena of restoration. Normally displayed in the arena of restoration. And let me tell you what I mean by that. When you think of the woman at the well, what was she? She was an adulteress. She'd been married five times, and Jesus being Jesus, as he's having this encounter with her, and it's I shared with the life group earlier, he was being truth and grace. He said, yeah, you've been married, and, and the, the guy that you're now with, he's not your husband. But in that moment where Jesus could have called her down, and because she was an adulteress, things could have happened to her within that society, Jesus being truth and grace, he handled her with gentleness to restore her to where God would want her to be and not where she had been in her flesh. Then you think about the woman caught in adultery in John 8. We know the story. They were getting ready to stone her, right? That's where Jesus gets down. And he begins to write in the dirt. Some scholars believe that he was probably writing the sins of the ones who had the stones. And Jesus said that phrase to us that many times has been quoted. You who are without sin, cast the first stone. What did Jesus do? He restored the woman into a right relationship with himself. And then, not picking on women, Zacchaeus, the wee little man, as we learned in Bible school. You can't say that anymore. That's not politically correct. So, it's a little guy. I don't know. I don't know how you say it. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. In that day, he was actually a stealer of money. So, he gave the Romans what they wanted, and then he had a little bit extra to put in his pockets. So people didn't like him because he was a thief. He stole from them. But this thief in the sycamore tree, Jesus does what? He restores him into a right relationship with God. In these situations, the actions of Jesus were motivated through godly wisdom. You see, gentleness and meekness is often demonstrated in the arena of wisdom. That was Jesus, all wise. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Gentleness is power under control. Jesus has all power and all authority always under control, controlled with the very nature of God, God himself. And in each one of those situations where the human flesh would have said, kill him, 
Do away with them. Godly wisdom said, no, there's an opportunity here to be gentle, to be power, to give them truth under the control of the Holy Spirit. That's why we're not gentle many times. We're not under control of the Holy Spirit. And we're not under control of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We will not have the wisdom of God. We will not be exercising wisdom from God. So it's often done restoration in the arena, gentleness of wisdom. It's often displayed through words. Words matter, right? We're given a mouth. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. We say what we believe. We say what we feel. We say whatever. But gentleness is often displayed through words. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath. Power under control turns away wrath. You can stir up wrath real quick with your mouth. Right? Guys, just say something stupid this afternoon with, to your wife. You can stir up wrath. Better to be power under control than to say something stupid out of your mouth. We say dumb things, stupid things many times because we lack wisdom. So you begin to see wisdom and gentleness, this power under control, they, they, they sink together. For often we speak before thinking what our words do to those who are listening. And in the context of wisdom in James 1, we're challenged in verse 19 to be quick to do what? Listen. Slow to what? Speak. Slow to anger. Why should we be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger? Because that's what godly wisdom does. That helps us to have power under control. That helps us to be gentle as the Spirit is. And it helps us in situations to ultimately, hopefully, help with the restoration that needs to take place in people's lives. You see, there's power in our words. They can either build up or destroy. And Jesus could have used his words to do that to the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, or even the thief Zacchaeus for all that they were and all that they had done. But he was gentle. Jesus was power under control. He was preus, gentleness, humble, meek. Again, doesn't mean weak. Jesus was not weak. He was powerful. And he was power under control. So a harsh word, a word that's punitive, cruel, unsympathetic, is not being spiritually controlled. It is not fruit that comes from the Holy Spirit. A good illustration would be, it takes a long time to build a skyscraper. I mean, probably today they can build it quicker than they used to. But it can only take, in some cases, one explosive device to take it all down. Right? That's how significant our words are. That's why it's important that we exercise gentleness power under control of the Holy Spirit, power that comes through wisdom from God 
as we learn about him, as, as we become more obedient to him, as we understand him from the word of God. Words do matter, and harsh and judgmental words are not spiritually motivated. They are counterproductive in us being gentle. So let me just transition. You get this idea about gentleness, power under control. Remember that. It's power under control. Next week, you're going to learn about self-control. But this week, I found it interesting that what gentleness is actually communicating through its original language is power that's under control. Well, let me transition. When there isn't fruitful evidence of gentleness, what, what's up? What up? When there's not evidence. Or any other aspect of the other characteristics, the previous seven attributes, those characteristics that you've already learned. So when there's not evidence, what is that saying? Something's wrong. I want you to hear that today. I'm saying in love. I'm trying to be full of truth and grace here. When there's not evidence of the fruit of spirit, of the spirit, something is wrong, radically wrong. The works of the flesh, that's why I read it earlier, they're evident. We all know how to do that. Nobody had to teach me. Would you admit that? Nobody had to teach you to be fleshly. It came with the nature, comes with the package. But the Spirit changes the package. But when the package is not showing fruitfulness, or it's not looking like the spiritual package, something's wrong. Something is radically wrong. So let's just look at the fruit. Natural fruit, and it's kind of, it kind of parallels with our natural, our nature, our flesh. This is what we know about natural fruit, fruit and, and why it can go bad. Natural fruit rots from the inside out. Do you know that? It rots from the inside out. Some people think it rots from the outside. No, it rots from the inside out. And the reason it rots from the inside out is most likely it comes because there's fungus as a culprit of the fruit rot. And most times the fungus is really yeast. You begin to see the parallel of the natural to the supernatural. God makes the natural fruit have nine attributes. He makes the supernatural Fruit of the Spirit, it has nine attributes, as Holy Spirit does. And yeast gets in the fungus, and it rots the fruit from the inside out. What does the Bible say yeast is? Sin. It's compared to sin. It rots us from the inside out. It's within us to sin. And the only thing that changes us from sinning to keep us from sinning is the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Natural fruit always brings change to the fruit. The rotting of the fruit is a natural reaction to its fungus. Now, here's an illustration you've got to imagine now. You ready? If you'd have saw me 30 years ago preaching this message, I'd been a little slimmer little more buffer. I'd have had black like raven hair. 
But I got this fungus on the inside that's working its way out. Now I've got a few more pounds. I got wrinkles. I got brown spots. I got gray hair. I'm rotten because of sin. I will not die a natural death. I will die an unnatural death. I wasn't born, I wasn't created to die. Just like you. But sin, it's rotten me, decaying me from the inside out. And one day, it will, I'll be gone. Another aspect, fruit quality is determined by the health of its root system. You want good fruit? You want that tree in the backyard to give you the best apples? Then take care of its root system. Maybe it needs something different in its roots to give you the best fruit. So natural fruit rots from the inside out. It's the culprit of rot. It's changing the fruit. But the nature of supernatural fruit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it never rots. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, it never rots. It's always there. And the more that we, as it says in verse 25, live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit, we exhibit that fruit in our lives. And even though the outward is decaying, the inward is being renewed day by day as we're refreshed with the work of the Holy Spirit in us. So the supernatural fruit, it always comes from the supernatural vine, Jesus, the healthiest of all root systems. It's only empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives it spiritual growth and movement. It's the Holy Spirit that, that allows us to, to love, to, to, to be joyful, to be peaceful, to be good, to be kind, to be faithful, to be patient. And now in this matter, to be power under control. It's only the Holy Spirit, that fruit in us, that helps us to be that person. Your religion, your own belief system, Whatever you think guides you in this world will not do what the Holy Spirit of God can do in your life. Everything else in the world is decaying. The lust of the flesh, the lust of eyes, and the pride of life, they're not of the Father. They are decaying, and they will destroy. They'll destroy your life. They'll destroy lives around you. It's what's destroying the world today, the works of the flesh. But the supernatural fruit... It's the one as it's been deposited in you as a Christ follower that allows you to love, to be joyful, all those things. Am I resonating with you? Are you understanding this? It's really important that you understand this supernatural fruit potential. The supernatural fruit always bears supernatural fruit. Always. That's why Jesus said in John 15, we bear fruit, fruit that will last. Only the fruit of the Holy Spirit lasts. And 
that supernatural fruit is always distinguishable about from the unspiritual fruit or the worldly fruit. You can tell the difference. You can tell the difference. We can see it in ourselves. Your wife can see it. Your husband can see it. Your children can see it. Other followers of Christ can see it. It's distinguishable whether or not we're keeping in step with the spirit of Jesus or we're walking in our flesh. And I love, I love the fact, that's my favorite scripture verse, by the way, and I didn't ask to put that up there, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live. I've extinguished. I've nailed my, I nailed it. I, I don't want it anymore. I'm, I'm putting that away. And the life that I now live, yeah, I still got to live in this body that's decaying because of the, of the fall that took place. And because I'm a descendant of Adam, we all are. Hello, cousin. We're all descendants of that nature. We still have that flesh we live in. It's, it's the vessel, but, but the temple of God now is in me. In the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Woo! Come on now. That's power. That's power under control. Supernatural fruit. It's distinguishable. Well, listen to these words in Matthew 7. Turn there real quick. Beginning at verse 15. This is in that wonderful message that we know is the Sermon on the Mount. It describes the character of those who belong to the king those that have been born again into the kingdom of God. It says, Beware of false prophets or teachers who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? We know the answer to that, right? How many of you ever picked a grape on a thorn bush? I haven't. I've never picked a fig, but I can assume they don't come from thistle bushes. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree, what causes the disease and what I've just talked about, our sin. The diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, thus Excuse me, you will know them or recognize them by their fruits. So, if we listen to the words of Jesus in this passage, it would say or it would help us understand this people outside of the vine will always try to conceal their true identity. Verse 15 Beware, there's these who come to you, they look like it, but inwardly, they are not. They are not. They put it on, they mask it, they might look like it, they might watch and say, well, I know how to do it because I've been watching. But inside, they are greedy, selfish, they are, they are filled with their own flesh. The second thing it tells us in this passage in verse 16 is we can expect, inspect the fruit. You will recognize them by their fruits. People will always be identified by their fruit. You can't fake it until you make it. 
Inspect the fruit. You say, no, wait a minute. Doesn't the Bible, didn't he say, Matthew 7, judge not, lest you be judged? Yep, he did say that. And then he went on to say, if you judge, he didn't say it was wrong, just expect the same measure you're judging will be done to you. So if you don't have a fruit problem, it's okay to inspect and recognize that something is not supernatural fruit. But be careful when you do that. Make sure that when you're doing that, you're doing it for the purpose of being gentle, power under control, so that you can help restore someone who may not be there. That's not judging. That's just saying something's not right, man, and I want to help. That's what Jesus did. He was power under control. He was being gentle. Inspect the fruit. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11:1, 1, imitate me, follow me as I follow Christ. Inspect the fruit. The third thing we see in that passage is production of fruit will always reveal the root system. Verses 17 and 18. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a distressed tree bear good fruit. So all of that is telling us if the tree is healthy, it's going to bear good fruit. If it's unhealthy, it's not going to bear good fruit. So if it's filled with the Spirit, it's going to produce spiritual, long-lasting fruit. If it's filled with the flesh, it's going to produce fleshly fruit that is bad. The fourth thing it shows us, unproductive fruit is useless. This is where our religious activity and sometimes our attitude can get us into trouble. Verse 19 says, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now this is really, really important right here. This is where we have to pause and think about our own fruit. What is the fruit that comes from our lives? Does it look like Galatians 5, 22 and 23? Is that the fruit? Because if that's not the fruit, something's wrong. And if it continues to have that type of fruit, we're naturally going to, because of our flesh, we're going to decay and we're going to die. But there's going to come a day when we can't make a change in our lives because we're not connected anymore to a healthy root system, or we weren't connected to a healthy root system, Jesus Christ. So fruit inspection is critical for us right now because one day it's going to be cut down and thrown into the fire And yeah, I know it's not popular sometimes in churches and for preachers to say, but there is a place called hell, and it's reserved for those who wanted to live this life, who was created by God, whom God saved and gave his only begotten son to save them from their sins, to to redeem them, to buy them back, to purchase them back to himself. There's going to come a day that when people refused or have turned away and never done that, that they are going to be separated from God in a place called hell for all eternity. Why? For many, it would be, it was a moment. 
and a space and a place where God was saying, you're here and I'm here and I want you here, but you're unwilling to go. No fruit. Nothing looks like God. I'm going to cut it down and I'm going to destroy it one day. The last thing we see in that passage is fruit fruit bearers do the will of the Father. Verse 20. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. That's those who are following the will of God. Those that are living according to what the Spirit has already put in within them. They are a life that lives in joy, in peace, in kindness, in good, all those things because they have Christ in them, the hope of all glory. So Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20, help us to recognize that fruit inspection is important. It's important for us to look out, to see what's around us, but it's also a thought to look within to say, am I a tree that bears supernatural fruit? So when our words, and remember I said gentleness was more about words, and our actions don't exhibit the fruit of the Holy Spirit, then something is wrong. Something's wrong with our root system, our spiritual root system. So let's get practical, and I'm going to be closing here in a minute. How is a person's root revealed through their fruit? How is your root revealed through your fruit? How do you talk to people? How do you talk to people? That's going to reveal your fruit. It's going to reveal your root. Are you gentle? Are you power under control? Are you controlled by the Holy Spirit in your talk? Well, that's just the way I am. The way I was raised up here in North, Northwest Pennsylvania. If you don't like it, tough. Maybe. Okay, that's fine. That's not the raising of those within the kingdom of God. We're a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away, and now the, everything now has become new. So it doesn't matter that I was born and raised in Gaithersburg, Maryland, and I can use that as a scapegoat. Well, that's just the way I did it in Gaithersburg. That's the way it is around here. That's not the way it is into a kingdom I've been born again into. No longer I, but Christ comes to the way we talk, comes to the way we treat people. Sometimes the way we treat people does not display gentleness. It doesn't show power and control. It doesn't show the wisdom of God working in and through our lives. These are two things that will show you this morning. I've walked through some stuff, but these two things, it's kind of a test. How do you talk to people and how do you treat people? That may tell everything you need to know about where you are with the fruit of the Spirit. And how do I know if the fruit I exhibit is good or bad? Well, one simple, powerful, and accurate test is to discover your own level of discipleship. We're not perfect, and the more you walk in the Spirit, the more you will keep in step with it. You'll look like the Spirit. You'll exercise the fruit of the Spirit. We're not perfect. You don't get all of them nine things in one shot when you're born again and the Spirit comes within you. 
He puts it within you for you to take the journey of living that out in Christ. But check your fruit. Check where you are in your discipleship if you're convinced you are born again. You are a follower of Christ. Another simple test is ask someone who loves you, someone you can trust. Tell them, be brutally honest about the spiritual fruit of my life. And probably the most important, just ask Jesus. If you would just say, Jesus, does my life show the fruit of the Spirit? You'll get an answer. Just ask him. See, fruit inspection is critical. It's critical for everyone. If we're failing the inspection, we may need to get a new life certified in Christ. Verse 21 of that passage in Matthew 7 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. If you're doing the will of the Father, if you're keeping in step with the Spirit, if your life exhibits the fruit of the Spirit, if you are by your life showing Christ in you the hope of glory, you're showing you've been crucified in your flesh and it's now Christ that's living in you, then the Lord's going to recognize you one day and he's going to say, enter. But he also says in that passage, he'll be many in that day. He'll say, Lord, Lord, remember me? I went to church every week. I gave a little money every now and then to help this or that. He's going to say, I didn't know you. Get away from me. You who wanted your flesh more than my spirit. You're done. You see, this whole thing on the fruit of the Spirit, this is real stuff. It brings us to a moment to say, where am I? And you know where you are. Everyone else in this room knows where we are. And if you know you're not where you need to be, in a moment the worship team's going to lead Folks from the care group are going to be coming up here. You want somebody to pray for you? Maybe you're struggling with this. You've been walking through, you're just struggling with it. Just be honest and say, man, I know I'm saved, but I, I need prayer. I need some help. I need some God. Be honest. He already knows. Just be honest. But if you realize this day that you don't have Christ, and that's why the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is not working, then please, 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 Give your life to Jesus today and let him deposit this in you for his glory, for his praise. Let's pray. Lord, we realize that there's nothing we could have ever done in our flesh to save ourselves. And that's why you came. You came to die a, die a death we deserve. You came to live a life that you wanted us to display and live. And even after you went back to heaven, after you did the will of the Father, Jesus, you made true on your word that says, I'm going to leave one. 
He's going to guide you. He's going to comfort you. He's going to teach you. He's going to rebuke you. He's going to help you to live the life that is pleasing to the will of the Father. So as we've talked today, Lord, about what you said in your word about gentleness, it truly is you, your power, helping us to be in control. So I pray today that if there's a Christ follower here that's recognizing, man, I'm not, I'm not there. I'm struggling with this. I need help. They would come and just pray with someone. Ask them, pray for me. I need this. I need it. I want to have the Holy Spirit controlling every aspect of who I am. And Lord, if there's one here who knows that they're not where they need to be in a relationship with you. They've never given their life to you. They could be watching online. They could say this from their home. They can, they can come forward here, and somebody will pray with them. We want them to know the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. May this be their day. Holy Spirit, be so strong and powerful that they be convinced this is their time. This is their moment. They have to. You're asking them to do this, not Barry's voice. You're asking them to be obedient to you. So, Lord, may you have your way, and may your will be done. And you told us to pray on earth right now, as your desires in heaven, that all people would be saved and that your children would walk with you. And we ask this today. By your name, the most powerful name, the name that is above all names, the name that has all authorities, the King of kings and Lord of lords, we ask in that name. Amen.